Good morning. My name is Jose Bracamontes. I go to Santa Monica College. And just to tell you a little bit about myself, I became a Christian in the teen ministry back in 2001. And uh, if you're visiting this morning, we've been going over a theme, a month-long theme entitled True Grit. And we're going to be looking at an edgier side of Jesus that normally you don't get to see. You know, Jesus made a lot of bold claims while he lived on earth. And we're going to be looking at some of those claims. So turn with me to John 14. You know, it takes a lot of confidence to have grit. Jesus knew who he was. In John 14, starting in verse 5, It says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. You know, here Jesus is saying that he's the only way. He's the only way you'll be able to have a connection. He's the only way you'll be able to have a relationship. A way to the creator of the universe. Only through him. He's the only way. There is no other. You know, my first point is, Jesus is the way. Deal with it. You know? And I mean, the reason I say that, not to be, you know, arrogant or whatever, but there's a lot of people out there that say there's a lot of ways to Jesus. There's a lot of ways to find God. You know, there are different ways and they all lead to heaven. That there's different ways to absolute truth. And if that were the case then everybody would be going to heaven, you know. But here Jesus claims, I am the only way to God. You know, like I mentioned earlier, I became a Christian in 2001. You know, my sister, Veronica Bracamontes, where is she? Here. Oh, she's back there, waving. Um, yeah, she invited me out to church. And so it was toward the end of eighth grade that I decided to follow Jesus. You know, and being a Christian in high school, is not the, it wasn't the easiest thing. You know, there's a lot, of ple- a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure to flirt with girls, a lot of pressure to act cool and just kind of blend in. You know, being a Christian in high school wasn't, you know, it wasn't attractive. It wasn't what was in. But thanks to God that I never got drunk. You know, I, I was never moral with the girl, you know. Um, and it's all because I chose to make Jesus Lord of my life. It's not because of anything I did. It's because of his grace, and I chose to accept it. You know, there's another scripture I want to read. If you can turn with me to First John. You know, First John chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anybody obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Now jump down to verse 15. It says, Do not love the world. Or anything in it, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
for everything in the world, the cravings of the sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does, comes not from the Father, comes not from, um, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. You know, and I don't know, I don't know where you're at today. You know, I don't know if you're contemplating becoming a Christian, you know, and really making Jesus Lord of your life. You know, and if you are, ask somebody to study the Bible. Ask for help. You know, at the age of 13, I started studying the Bible, and um, there's a few men in my life that I'm grateful for that helped me become a Christian, like, thus far. And some of those men are Oscar Mia. He studied the Bible with me. Mario Fabila. He was a mentor to me. He was a big brother. He was a dad to me. Mike Newman. He's here. Where is he? Back there. You know, he's, he's helping me now, and it's because of these men that I'm able to have uh, a more, a better perspective. You know, I can get advice. I can ask for help. I'm not alone. You know, they help me at different times in my life to understand that Jesus Christ is the way to the Father, to the creator of the universe. And if you're a Christian already, I encourage you to stay in Jesus, to fight not to blend in, but to rise above the world and be able to see your Father in heaven one day. You know, Jesus may be the way, but if he's not your way, he's of no value. You know, Jesus said he's the way. He also said he is the truth. You know, I'm going to have Arturo come up, and he's going to talk about the truth. So many young people today. Like there's a ministry full of us. Crazy. Anyway, for those of you who don't know me, let me introduce myself. My name is Arturo Ortega, and I come from the far reaches of Pepperdine University. Go waves. But alas, I, I originally hail from San Diego. I, uh, I became a Christian there June 25, 2009. So... Uh, I'm still a young disciple, but amen. God is teaching me a lot of things. But um, anyway, as Jose said, he was talking about the way, and now I'm here to talk about the truth. Now, before I say anything, I want to tell you that there are three sorts of truths. There's the first, there's the truth that is like, hey, it's kind of cold outside in Culver City. And then there's the, hey, it's kind of cold outside in Boston, Massachusetts sort of truth. It's, it's kind of true, but, you know, not really. Th- then there's the truth sort of thing, like 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's, that's true. And then there's Jesus is the truth, and you have to deal with that one. Anyway, please turn with me to uh, uh, John 8, if you have a Bible. John 8, 31. I'm sorry if you see butterflies, that's, that's my stomach. <laughs> anyway, John 8, 31. I hope you're there. If not, there's a big screen right there. Uh, it, anyway, it says, To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold on to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Man, is that an iconic statement. We hear it so much in movies, media, everywhere. The truth will set you free. And, but what comes before it? That's totally ignored by the media and by everything. Let's look here. In the beginning, it says to the Jews who had believed him. 
First, we have to believe in Jesus. That's the truth, because Jesus is the truth. We have to believe. And then secondly, he says, if you hold on to my teaching. So he's saying that we have to follow Jesus, and we have to believe in him to know the truth. And then the truth will set us free. But look at their response. Keep reading. In uh, verse 33 and 34, they answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? Then Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if you are Abraham's descendants, oh, so if the son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And I, I grew up in the church. I've grown up in the church all my life. And I, I felt like these Jews here, like free, free from what? I'm, I'm a good kid. I don't smoke. I don't, I don't drink. I don't party. You know, I don't, I've only kissed two girls, you know, that's, that, that's what I said to my disciple. I was like, straight up, I don't think I'm a bad kid. And that was my attitude. And uh, I remember I, I, I told him I was a good kid and I was, I was studying and uh, this, this happened while I was studying. I had this attitude and uh, actually uh, right after like one of these studies where we're talking about sin, uh, I ended up deciding that I wanted to go on a date with a girl. And uh, we were going to like a school performance. I think it was like Romeo and Juliet, the dance. Um, that's another story. But we were, but I needed a ride there and I needed her to have a ride or else we can't do the date. So I'm like, hey dad, I just got my license. Can I drive to the dance? And he's like, yeah, sure. But you're driving by yourself. You just got your license. Okay. And I, I said that. But I didn't mean it. I, mean, I was going to drive her anyway. So I pick her up and I drive her. But like I was hiding it, you know. And how can I say that I'm without sin if I'm doing all this, being all sneaky like? I thought I was so cool. I was like, oh, yeah, he totally fell for it. And so like after the date, after every good date, you go to Rite Aid. And I, we were at Rite Aid. And I hit a... Anyway, I hit a ledge. I hit, a, I hit a ledge, and my heart was just thumping for multiple reasons, but mostly because of that. And, and I hit the ledge, and I, I was so worried about the car because I was being so sneaky about it. Anyway, there was nothing wrong with it. I drive her back. I drop her off. I, I drive back home, and I, I thought to myself, wow, can't believe I got away with it. I said hi to my dad and everything, gave him back the keys, back in my room. Totally cool. Then he walks right back in to my room, and he says, hey, son, did, did you drive anyone to the dance? And I'm like, no, no, why, why would he say that? And he's like, oh, okay, well, this, there's this girl, Megan, on the phone. I think she left the jacket in the car. <laughs> the, the I don't have sin speech didn't work with my disciple anymore. <laughs> anyway, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1.18. Anyway, there's a reason for that, though. Uh, if you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 1.18, I'm not there yet. There's, uh, it's right there. You're there. I'm not. And in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those, for, for those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so, if we're not like, really living it, if we're not really in it, then we don't really know about it. 
and we don't know the truth. We live in this world of lies. And it's like, it's very much like The Matrix. I don't know if you guys have seen The Matrix or not. It's a great movie. It's about your life in Christ. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, Neil was given this option. He was like, okay, Neil, you can know the truth or you can go back to the world of lies that you live in. All I'm trying to offer you is the world of truth. You have the red pill or the blue pill. And that's the thing that God gives us. He gives us, okay, here it is. Here's the truth. Either you can follow it or you can just go back and live in your world of lies. Or not, you can just deal with it. So anyway, that's the truth. How's it going, church? For those of you who don't know me, I'm Kenny Zuchuku, and... Um, I go to UCLA. Woo! Go Bruins! And I was about, I, w- I became a Christian on October 28, 2005, right here in the team ministry. So, w- with the help of to- uh, Tino Sea, Ruben Deanda, and Brandon Miller. So, thanks, thanks guys. <laughs> Before I can start, I need to be honest with you guys. Is that okay? Can I be honest? When Tony asked me to preach, he, already, he told me that uh, Arturo and Jose had initiated and said, oh, I want to preach. And I'm like, okay, that's awesome. And then he says, Kenny, do you want to preach? He laid the egg on me. And being the lively campus student that I am, my answer was clear and concise. No. <laughs> I do not want to preach. I do not want that responsibility. And then there's a quick pause. And for those of you who know Tony, he has this stare. It's, uh, uh. Tilt his head to the left or right, mostly to the left. Chin down, squinted eyes, and his glasses slide across his nose. Just a tiny bit. Just so you can see his eyes and his glasses halfway through. So, that stare, which was supposed to be quick, felt longer than it actually was, and I had time to rethink my answer. So I said, um, well, it's not that I don't want to preach, it's just that I, it's just that I don't think I know how to. So I humbled out. I, So bear with me as I try to convey a message which I hope sticks with you for longer than just the 10 minutes I'm up here. Supposed to be 10 minutes. Anyway, let's look at John 14, verse 6. We've read it already. It says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way the truth, and the life. The life, the life, the life. I will be focusing on the life. Jose talked about the way and how Jesus is the only way. Arturo talked about the truth and how the truth will set you free. I'm here to give you one question and two practicals. Are you ready for this? 
simple question. What do you live for? Yeah, you should write that one down. Um, I play volleyball at UCLA. I'm on the men's volleyball team. I know. It's awesome. But I'm surrounded with a bunch of players, players that love to play volleyball and love to party. I can tell you what students at UCLA live for. Thursday nights, they call them Thirsty Thursdays. You go out, you drink, you have a great time. The party life. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, as long as I'm drunk. The idea that you can party anytime, anywhere, without significant consequences. Excessive alcohol. It's okay. It's a way of life. Smoking illegal substances. Oh, it's all right. It's just what we do. Let's look over to John 10, verse 9. What do we live for? I'll give you, I'll give you a second to turn there. I'll give you a couple seconds, actually. It, it reads, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love this scripture. Why? Because when I'm playing volleyball, when I'm in my dorm room, I know that when, those, when all the students go out on Thursday, they all go out. I'm, I'm in my room on my laptop just saying hi, bye guys. And I know that that won't fulfill me. Jesus will fulfill. He's the only one that can completely satisfy our needs. So why would I ask a church, what do you live for? Isn't it obvious? We live for Jesus. We're disciples. That's what we do. It's simple. It's straightforward. Or is it? In high school, I will never forget the time, my early high school years, when I, um, I focused on, I was, I was dealt with a lot of um, activities at school. I did journalism, volleyball, a bunch of things. Ruben can tell you. I did a lot of things. And I wasn't focused on God. And it got to the point where my early disciple or Christian years, I, I, got in, I was in a secret relationship with a girl. No one knew except for, obviously, you know, my friends Roddy and Cody. They're my close friends. But um, no one knew about it. It was secret. And then one day I, I, had a, I had a date, and we had lunch in the Pacific Palisades, and I was driving her home, and I took her to her door, and then we kissed. And then after the kiss, she breaks away, opens her eyes, and, say, and says, my dad. And first I'm thinking, that's a weird thing to say after a kiss. And then she opens her eyes even wider, looks over my shoulder and says, no, my dad. So I turn around and lo and behold, her dad, the nicest man in the world, with the stare, the Tony stare. I called it the death stare, the you messed up big time stare, the what are you doing with your life stare. When I snuck around and lied, to my parents about my whereabouts, 
What was I doing? When I compromised my convictions in order to appease her, what did I live for? <laughs> 